I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Yes, yes, this is DJ Vice and I'm listening, you're listening, we all listening to Rebel Radio right here. And you know what else? Fuck you, Josh. What's up? This is Rebel Radio. What up, what up? This is DJ Newmark. This is Tina Butterwolf. It's your boy. It's okay. Keep checking out Rebel Radio. Rebel Radio. This is Rebel Radio. We're in the place right here. Uh? Rebel Radio is going down. What did you say? Rebel Radio? Oh, wait. Let's do it again. Rebel Radio. Hey, what's up, y'all? Welcome back to Rebel Radio. My guest today is my man Vice, a.k.a. DJ Vice. You might know him from Power 106 back in the day. Uh, you might know him from the Electric Taco YouTube show that he hosts or from his uh, DJing all over the world. He's got residencies. I think back in the day it was Body English. Now he's at Marquee in Vegas and, um, and he's playing every, every hot city in the world. He's also a producer, making a lot of his own music. And, uh, you know, I've known him a long time. He's one of the nicest guys. Uh, in the game and it turns out one of the smartest guys too and so he's got some great lessons for us today he's going to teach us the art of the humble brag um, and kind of how he uses a little bit of confidence to get him where he's trying to go uh, he's going to tell us what he learned from tony robbins uh, and how he's been able to jump into different businesses including opening his own sneaker shops good stuff coming up from dj vice right after our edm.com track of the week I got it all to myself, narcotics up in my system, I praise God for my health, I squint, I'm not sleeping, I see fuck boys out creeping, I keep all my girls a secret, but it's been a long damn weekend, uh, these bitches keep calling my phone, but I don't wanna talk, I keep it real, smoking on that strong leaf, I got big bread for that deal, yeah, shouty just want you for 
she ain't putting out For me, she bust it wide open All up in her mouth Got a stack of hundred dollar bills Flexing on them haters Got a stack of hundred dollar bills Flexing on them haters Now I'm on my own Yo, that was our track of the week from EDM.com. That was C Trox with a track called Used To. That's on the hip hop channel, soundcloud.com slash hip hop. Check that out. And uh, right now, check out DJ Vice on Rebel Radio. You don't play here that much, right? Nah. Well, yeah, not really. I'll do now that good. Tao Avenue open. I'll do right. once a month on Tuesdays. Yeah. That's it, though. Yeah. LA clubs suck. Yeah. <laughs> we could talk about that. <laughs> it's right. No, it's right better for your home life, though, to be like, yeah, go on yeah. the road, work, and then. Not and, that you don't work when you're here, but like, right, as far but as being I don't out have to be at a club, yeah. And also, like, I, you, I feel like I, when I used to do nights here a lot, like residencies weekly and two yeah. times a week, every, no one cares after a while. They're like, yeah. dude, we don't care to go see him and pay here sure. all the time. Or if, yeah, and then in special. Vegas, they're like, what do, you, what do we care? And all the L.A. people, like, we could see him right. anytime in L.A. So yeah. why would we go to Marquee to see him? Yeah, yeah. So after a while, I, I cut back. Yeah. Um, I was like, no, I got to like stop doing gigs in L.A. It was easy money to be in L.A. and just work sure. and go home. But like, of course. nah. Yeah, but now home life's a lot smoother. You're yeah. like, I could go to bed. I went to bed like at 11.30 last night. So nice. It's great. Yeah, yeah. But then Vegas nights, I'm going to bed at like 4.35. Of course, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how you do that with a kid. and then Flipping, like, yeah. Kids up. Flip-flop, back and forth, dude. Yeah, for sure. I did my I, I did my research, though, on, on the way. I was listening to a bunch of different little... Oh, you did? Uh, like little uh, segments. I heard like uh-huh. ch- uh, Chalk. I heard the G-Funk West Coast guy. Nice. That's a trip. Like I it's, Did you know about that documentary? Not at all. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm, I'm dying to see it. But... I just talked to Paul Stewart yesterday, dope. who's like in it quite a bit, I'm sure. I actually have a little bit of G-Funk roots. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Tell like, me about that. I used to be Nate Dogg's DJ. No shit. Yeah. And it was like for like, a, I used to be a show DJ. Is that right? Yeah. And then I was... I was How'd uh, that happen? I, through the station? Yeah. Through De- Damian yeah. Young, through Demiza. I yeah. would, he like put me in the loop with Nate Dogg and I got to like go in there and and he's like, yo, I need to do shows. Like, how do we do this? And I sat down with Pro Tools and I chopped up like... Because mm-hmm. I was like... How do you make a Nate Dogg show? Basically, just hooks, right? Like big ass hooks, like yeah. a big ass hook, a long hook show. Yeah. Um, but we chopped up like verses and 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 his hooks, and then I would be telling him like, "Yo, I think you should do this song." He's like, "No, nah, uh-huh. I don't want to perform that." I'm like, "Yo, like we play that in the club. People yeah. want to hear that." Yeah. He's like, "Really?" And I'm like, "Yeah." So it was it was dope. Like we got to be in sessions with him at his crib. Nice. When he was dating that actress, really hot girl. Forgot he was dangerous, and we'd be there kicking it in, and she'd be cooking food and bringing uh, us food. And Nate would be, then Nate would be like, we'd be working on like a show, and then Nate would be like, hold on, I need to uh, record this hook for someone. And we're like, all right, and we like sit there, and he would literally sit down and have a microphone, uh-huh. and he had like a bowl of like chicken and rice, and he was eating, and then he would just be like, his engineer would like record, he would like cut a hook as he sat in a chair. No way. And I was like, this is insane. That's yeah. crazy. So we did that. I DJ for. Um, Quick, I was Quick's uh-huh. DJ for like two years. Oh wow! Yeah. Then I realized I wasn't thug enough to be on the road with all those guys. I was like, I need to get off the road with these guys. It, 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 it gets I just, I just doesn't crazy. fit me, man. Yeah. I'm gonna get killed. Yeah. No, it gets pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, sure. I remember we, with Quick, we were in like 
Arizona one time, and he's like, we finished the show. He's like, yo, so we're going to run out the back door out this side, and we're going to jump into the vans and take off. And I'm like, why? He's like, we can't go out this way. There's Those dudes are waiting for us over there. We got to go yeah. this way. And yeah. I was like, yo, I can't be on the road like that. That's enough of that. <laughs> so quick. I did I did some shows with Warren. Wow. Um, oh, yeah. There was a, a lot of different like, wow, artists. That's that, more than a little. Yeah, right? Yeah, there was a, a, a bunch. And then from there, they I, I got I was like, one time he was like, yo, you need to go meet with Daz. He needs help with his show. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is crazy. I'm like getting in this 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 whole world with these dudes. Yeah. And I was sitting with Daz and like and corrupt and and in some crazy sessions. Yeah. I bet. So it was it was a good time. That was fun stuff yeah. for a minute. Early two thousands being on the oh, radio wow. was like a prime time of radio. Yeah. Well that's cool, man. I wanna hear how you go from that to, to where you're doing now. But um I so I always like to start back at the beginning. Okay. So Tell me about the first record you ever bought. Um, I re- the first record I ever got was because it was like s- such a big moment because I was always into music and I was listening to like KDAY in LA. I'm born mm-hmm. and raised in LA, so I listened to KDAY. And and when I remember I went to, um, I want to say it was like the warehouse in LA. It was called like the record mm-hmm. shop. Mm-hmm. And my mom was like, okay, you get to get like one vinyl. Yeah. So it was like a big moment and I was like digging through. It was at the Eagle Rock Mall where I'm born and raised and I was uh-huh. digging through the... There was like a vinyl section. I'm digging through, digging through. And I was like, well, the the ideal thing I should do is buy a compilation vinyl because okay. I get like yeah. eight songs from different artists. Yeah. So I bought, I bought one of those like, um, I forgot what the record was, but it was like a, a rap's greatest or something like that. And it was like, a, it showed like a little trophy on it. I'm going to find this record. It showed okay. a little trophy. But it had like, I, I remember my standout song on that album was Dougie Fresh, The Show was on there. Oh, yeah. And I was like, Damn, this is like, this is hip hop. This is so dope. And I would bump that. And uh, Orange Juice Jones, um, Rain, yep. Yep. Walking in the Rain was on there. My Adidas was on there. But for some reason, I feel like sh- I might have that record. It's like a blue cover with like a trophy in the middle, and yeah. it's like yeah, and okay. it's a compilation. So yeah. I thought that was like the, I, I was I was my my game was tight. I was like I'm gonna buy this one because I got eight different songs. Yeah. So I went with that. Yeah. yeah but that yeah. was like um, yeah, that's what kind of really, got me like hooked on listening to, records. Yeah. I didn't know I was in a DJ yet, but I but I was already into it like at that at at the age of like, nine years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and my brother picked Depeche Mode. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he, uh, maybe it was Enjoy the Silence or something around there. Sure. And he was like, that's stupid. Why are you listening to that music? Like, he, you got to listen to this. Yeah. And it was so cool because we, we would argue over music. Yeah. So he thought my music was dumb and I'm, I'm like, then we shared the same room. We grew up in the same room together. So he'd be listening to Depeche Mode and then I had to, I had to wait till he like fell asleep because uh-huh. he didn't want me listening to that. Then I would bump my album and like put my speaker, my, feet, my ear up to the speaker and listen to that that's album. Hilarious. It's, it's, it's such a great story because, like, so much of that never happens anymore. Yeah. Like, you don't have to pick one record because right. everything's streaming. You can have it all. Yeah. Right? You don't have to, like, now everybody has earbuds. Right. So you don't have to share the room. That excitement's gone. Yeah. That, Maybe. That, that, I mean. I, well, see, because I have, I have an 18-year-old son, and, and it's, it's a great time for them. And at the same time, like, I don't want to be the old-school mentality thinking where I'm like, this is whack. Like it's a great time because yeah. they can get anything and everything they want at the drop of a dime. So he's like, like 
Oh, the Kendrick came out today? Boom, I, yeah, I already have it. It's in my phone. It's downloaded. Uh, I don't, you don't have reception in your dorm, but no, but I download it when I'm outside the dorm and I can listen to the whole thing when I'm in the dorm. Like, yeah. So it's like everything's accessible. Yeah. And that's dope because you get to really immerse yourself in music. Mm -hmm. the, the part that I feel is the, the disconnection is the excitement of like, how am I going to get this? For sure. Who am I going to borrow money from to get this? <laughs> right? Like, yeah. who am I going to beg to get this? Or like, Do you see that as a father? Do you see that in with something else not music um yeah i i think i mean i think with with even shows now i mean yeah. there's so many shows there's so many I, I don't know when when i grew up i didn't know there was that many music festivals right. or anything like sure i grew up in la i got to go to like a unity and that was such a big moment to like catch yeah. a new artist performing unity it was like a dope underground hip-hop thing but now it's like I mean, Coachella is happening, and then mm -hmm. there's this festival and that festival, and there's there's just so much. It's like overload. Yeah. It's music overload, yeah, I believe. Sure. Yeah. yeah, you can have a big weekend every weekend. Yeah, yeah. Between, I mean, just between Vegas and here. You and can go to Vegas. You can see festivals. You can hit EDM Fest, and you can get hit a you know a snowboarding festival that has music, but yeah. you can see your snowboarders. It's like, it's everywhere. So then I I feel like your taste elevates, and you get even pickier on what you like huh. because there's so much coming to you. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. So how'd you get started DJing? So at nine years old, I got into like, I, I knew I loved hip hop. Like that was my, that was my shit. And, and I listened to KDAY and I, and I, and I listened to uh, Julio G. I listened mm -hmm. to uh, Joe Cooley, um, Aladdin. Mm -hmm. And I had no idea who these people were. This pre-Google, this is pre anything that you could figure out who these people were. But I just was like, what are they doing and how are they doing this? Yeah. I didn't know what it was. And then um, around 10 years old, 11 years old, I, I went to a family party and I saw the DJ where the DJ's playing music and people are dancing. That's cool. And that's my moment where I saw Jordan play basketball. When someone sees Jordan play ball for the first time and they're like, or Kobe play ball or, or whoever your idol is on the court, and you're like, that's, I want to do that. I want to be that good or I want to do that. That was my moment where I was like, I want to DJ because that one person is controlling this whole room mm -hmm. for 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 the greater happiness of everyone's mood. And like everyone's- What, what was he playing? He was playing like high energy disco, uh -huh. like Stevie B, Cover Girls. And I, it wasn't yeah. even about that. Like yeah, I was yeah, just yeah. like, yeah, yeah. But it was just like, and I knew that music because I have older but, sisters. But, but, but like I asked that because you remember it. Yeah, yeah, I remember, yeah. Mean, Taps, like Forbidden Lover. Kano, I'm ready. Yeah. Like these are, yeah. Google all these songs if you're too young <laughs> to remember this, and you're like, oh wow, they sampled that for Woom. There it is. For sure. <laughs> um, so yeah. So when I was listening to all that happen, I was like, dang, everyone's having the best time of their life. Like I want to be able to do that. I want to mm -hmm. make. I want to create this energy and this mood and and direct the crowd. Um, and then we left that party, and I had no idea how to do it. So right. I was like, where am I gonna get? Where do you even find this stuff? Or who is yeah. this? Or and um, so a year later, we were at a family friend's house and their son was a DJ. And I'm like, here it is. A year. Yeah, a year How later. crazy. So I was like, this is it. Yeah. This is what he was doing. And I, was, I just talked to him and I was like, yo, man, I need to do this with you. Like, whatever you want me to do, I'm in. I'll help you out. I'll carry your crates. I'll carry speakers. And I, and I, uh, and I got in the mix. He was like, yeah, yeah, no problem. 
I need you to help me set up at every gig, carry mm -hmm. records, set up the lights, the smoke machine, all this stuff. And your parents will let you roll with me because our parents know each other. And he's the older, he's like an older brother in a sense to me. Like, mm -hmm. So I was like, perfect. So it got me in the game at like 12 years old of DJing and nice. being the assistant to the DJ. Yeah. Yeah. And then do you remember the first time you like stepped up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, yeah. Uh, it was at a high school dance that we were, that we were, that he was DJing and I was like, the apprentice on the side and I'd say everything up and he wanted to go dance with a girl so he was like yo you're on just put the headphones on me and and he got off the decks and like went out nice and I was like I was shocked I was like <laughs> oh what do I like oh okay okay I was I remember that moment I, was like, I got this and I remember the song that was playing was Afro Rican uh, give it all you got and I was like all right all right I got this I got this I got this and I'm like trying to cue up the next record in my headphones. I don't even know what's gonna drop. I was like queuing it up, queuing up. And I'm queuing it up, queuing up, and then you just hear, and the record ended on the other side. And I looked, and I was like, and I looked at the crowd, and I just dropped to the floor, and I hid behind the decks. No way. Behind the coffin, I was hiding under there, like, shit. What do I do? What do I? Do? And it's just like, so I like reach up with one hand over the decks. And I, I try and grab the needle and I started the song over again. Uh -huh. And he comes running up. He's like, what did you do like that? And you can hear people like, whoa. You can hear, like, <laughs> so I start, and I'm like, yo, I, I froze. And he's like, get off, get off, get off. Oh, man. So my first time DJ was like crash and burn. Yeah. And, I, and then after that, I was like, I, I can do this. I can do it. I can do it. So, so how did you another, get the confidence? Like some people might have just said, okay, obviously I'm not. Yeah. That's not no, I wasn't going to let it down because I yeah. still had that dream of, I think, that wedding DJ that I was at that was rocking the crowd. I was like, I'm going to be able to do that one day. Yeah. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, so I eventually, like, he let me jump back on at another gig. And then uh, I just did high school dances, house parties, weddings, bar mitzvahs, quinceañeras, like, any, uh, barbecues, ditching parties, like, anything and anywhere I could DJ, yeah. I was in. I yeah. was game, yeah. It wasn't even trying to make money or trying to do it. Mm -hmm. It was just like, I just want to play for people. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Hey, I'm excited to have a new sponsor on board. This week we got Blue Apron. Um, if you're into cooking, Blue Apron's about to make it a whole lot easier for you. They're gonna save you time, money, make it more convenient, enable you to cook with family, friends, whatever. What they do is they deliver right to your door uh, fresh and healthy recipes ready for you to cook. Uh, they deliver all over the country, 99% of the country, they can get it straight to your door and it's just the exact amount of each ingredient so you're not wasting food. It's healthy, the food is all responsibly sourced and sustainable and all that good stuff that makes it good for you and your family. And for me, I like that uh, it's never the same recipe, so lots of variety. Check out this week's menu and you'll get your first three meals free because you're a Rebel Radio listener. That's first three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com rebel. I think you'll love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. That's blueapron.com rebel. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. So then when we met, you were, uh, you, you had, I think, just got the power. Mm-hmm. That was like I got on I got on radio in Los Angeles in 1998. Okay. So Power 106 Los Angeles at the time their listenership was like 1.8 million listeners or something crazy. Huge. And yeah. it's also outside of KDAY. It's the station I grew up on. After yeah. KDAY was off the air, it's like 
I listened to Power. Yeah. And that's what introduced me to like really dance music as well because they were mm -hmm. playing house and hip hop mixed mm -hmm. together. Mm -hmm. It was like hard house in LA at the time. Um, so I was mixing house records and at, at weddings and dances and everything you DJed, you had to play everything. So um, I was, uh, the way I got on though, I was DJing at a club and I met the Baker Boys' older brother. Mm -hmm. And the Baker Boys were the biggest on-air on radio jocks at the time, DJs and personalities. And their older brother was the marketing promotions guy around them. Yep. So uh, I was like, I got I to gotta hang with this dude. This dude's the connect to the radio. Sure. And um, like the hustle was like real. Like I was just yeah. out anywhere I can meet people. And it was for the right reasons. I always felt like I, I always try to connect with people for the right reasons. I, was, I, I, I think it's... Um, always good to to be uh to humble brag about yourself mm -hmm. to tell these people like i i know what i can do and i know what i'm worth and i i know i can help you do this or this or this mm. so i hung with uh frank v of the baker boys crew family and uh he introduced me to his brothers and i was around the radio station nonstop. i was yeah. seeing artists come in the station from when biggie and 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 pun and and like old dirty bastard and i'm around all these people and i'm still in high school Wow. About to graduate, knowing I'm, I don't want to go to college. I don't yeah. want to see college. Yeah. Like I want to be in radio, because I knew that was the next step. So in 1998, I got a tryout on the air for 30 minutes. Oh, cool. So that was like right when I graduated high school, um, like a year after I graduated high school, and then I got on radio. So I was an on-air mixer on Power at like 19 years old. Nice. Yeah, wild. So and how does that, how does that change the game once you're on the air? That was when I got to go to my parents and show them a corporate check uh -huh. and be like, this is real. Yeah. Like, I, I don't need to go anywhere. Like, this is real now. And I, I held up the, I remember I was like, this is, this is the moment where I can pursue this. And I know there's bigger, there's a bigger future with DJing. Because mm -hmm. before, I mean, most parents was, you got to go to college. You got to go to college. You got to go to college. And, um, and I was like, nah, it's just not me. School is not just for everyone. You know, it just, it, did, it wasn't in my, it wasn't in my plan. Mm -hmm. So, um, there was no option B, C, or D. It was just option A was to pursue DJing and music and yeah. radio and try and go from there. Go back to something you said about like the humble brag. I know like what what so what's the art of doing that? Because you know, I know you know certainly being around a radio station, yeah. being around promoters, hustlers, like people that are really happy to tell you how great they are. Right. And like we know sometimes like if that's done wrong, it's like counterproductive. Right. It's annoying. You don't believe it. You know what I mean? I think I, I think the one time that I was awoken to a humble. Well, I won't even say it's humble. It's an, it was an out of control brag was <laughs> when Kanye West came to our radio station. Yeah. For the first time as a producer saying he was a rapper. And we're like, this is the dude that produces all the dope tracks, like right. Izzo and this and that. And and we're like, why is he coming to us as a rapper? Like, is the producer turning rapper? And um, and we went to, uh, I think it was called Arnie Morton Steakhouse down the street. Mm -hmm. And we sat there with, with him. And before the bread came out on the table, he had like rapped three songs to us. And he's mm -hmm. like, do you hear what I'm saying? I remember this moment. He's like, do you hear what I'm saying? Do you hear my verse? Do you hear my words? He's like, I produce for Jay. Jay's big. I'm going to be even bigger than that. And we're like, okay, now this is crazy. This dude's out of his, his, his mind right here. Sure. And by the time we left, I was like, dude, this dude believes in himself more than anything in the world. Like, yeah. he already envisions it. Yeah. And I don't know how, I, how this stuff kind of came together for me, but I'm like, 
I need to, and I'm not saying it's just the Kanye moment, mm -hmm. but this was one of the moments where I was like, I need to believe that I can take myself to wherever I want to take myself to, to like bring it to fruition. So that was like one moment, and then, um, and I'm, I'm going to use a lot of artist yeah, sure. stories because I, I ran into these people at such a cool time of my yeah, life and their sure. life. And then um, when I was DJing in a lot of Hollywood nightclubs and Justin Timberlake had just broken away from NSYNC mm. and he was not cool. Like mm. at that moment, you're like, dude, you just left NSYNC. You're not cool. Like in everyone's eyes. Totally. And he'd be in the club and he was the nicest dude in the world. And he was like, yeah, I'm, I'm working with Pharrell and my, my, my song's going to be like this, like this. And then I got to hear um, Like I Love You before it, it came out. And mm -hmm. I'm like, dude, and he and he was another one saying like I know my music's gonna transition me into that world like he believed it where everyone else around him was like looking like you're a corny mm -hmm. in sync dude that just left the group and you're not gonna go anywhere and it was another person in my life that was like speaking about his music in a humble way mm -hmm. about how powerful it was gonna be mm -hmm. and I'm like this is dope so a lot of those a lot of the times I got to be around so many different recording artists. In, a, in such a cool moment of their life and in my life that I just was trying to take pieces of everybody's story and everybody's of everybody's life. And, and are, are you are you are you conscious of doing that? Like, can you? I don't think I was. Yeah. I, I honestly don't think I was. And I and and I have even another crazier story where I saw the family moment uh -huh. where I was like, wow, like you can be in this world of an artist and still be like a family dude. And I got to go to Dre's house with Damian Young with the oh, Mizza. Cool. And listen to Chronic 2001 in his living room, with just me and Demiza, and um, and Dre and his wife was there and his kids were there. Like his little kids are running around and stuff like that. And I'm listening to Chronic 2001 and seeing this dude in family mode too, and taking care of like grabbing his kid and picking him up and then, like moving and like and then showing us his house like, oh yeah, we're gonna remodel this and this and that. So I'm just like the apprentice now to the uh -huh. radio station exec, and I'm seeing all these things and seeing all these artists I idolize and being like, wow, like you really can live in this celebrity world, artist world, music world, and still be, whether it's humble, family-orientated, or just enjoying your moment in life. So mm -hmm. I kind of just, pieced, like I said, pieced, picked off the tree from, from all these different people in life and kind of stuck with them. That's great. I read that around the same time you went to a Tony Robbins seminar. Dude, I went to Tony Robbins when I was 19. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think, yeah, like, right, actually, yeah, right before my son was born, so, like, 19 years old. Okay. Um, and a friend of mine who, uh, he had gone to, I guess, one of these seminars, and once again, I'm like, who the hell is Tony Robbins? Uh -huh. There's, I had never yeah, even yeah. heard of him. Sure. I've never even heard of a, 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 a life coach or an influ a, a, yeah. a, a lifestyle um, entrepreneur or whatever he may call him, but... Uh, motivational speakers. Mm -hmm. I never heard of any of this. Yeah. And my friend was just like, come to this with me. You need this in your life. If you don't like it, don't pay me back. Mm -hmm. So I was like, all right. And by the end of that first night on Tony Robbins, I'm walking over hot coal and I'm like, this is the crazy, like my energy is right? through the roof. And, wow. and I learned a lot from that moment. Um, and I, I once again took little things from that and, and where, went on where, my path. Where did you take from? I think I just, at that moment, I was such in a crazy moment in my life that I was, I knew I had a son coming, so I was 19 years old, yeah. trying to make it as a DJ, like I had just got on radio, yeah. and I'm like, wait, now I have to have, to raise a kid, and I have to grow up, like, and I have to, like, make money and, and really support, not just me, support another mouth, you know, mm -hmm. so I was like, 
I was kind of, I think my friend saw that in me, like, dude, this guy needs to be on like the right path and just make sure he knows that you can make this happen, you know, make this world happen. So, um, when I left there, I just, I just, it was just more of kind of like a, I guess probably my first Zen moment where I'm like, I can make anything happen that I want to happen in life. Wow. So it was a, it was a good time that, that, that happened for me and I'm glad I went. Now I listen to his podcast. I watch his, uh-huh. uh, his Netflix movie yeah, the other day yeah, yeah. and I'm like, this is so crazy. I went to this at 19 years old. That's I don't, crazy. I didn't know it affected me until later in life. Mm-hmm. I'm like, there's those moments in life that really just change you on your path for the right. Yeah. That's good. So if we, you know, jump to today, like you got all this stuff going and I, you know, I didn't even know <laughs> half of it. Like, you, you know, you were telling me about the YouTube show when we were in Brazil. Yes. Um, which I've been watching now. It's great. You caught some of them. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Electric, electric taco. taco. Yeah. Dude, I just watched the Danny Trejo last night. He's an OG, Danny Trejo. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing stories. So yeah, I've, um, I've ventured off and done a lot of different things. Yeah. So, um guess what i want to ask is how so and i know you you're in the sneaker business yeah got crossover <laughs> i got crossover it's my two sneaker which, stores yeah which i've been to i didn't know those were yours yeah eight um, years in the, doing wow. those which n- retails a crazy whole different world for me so how does um your experience your training as a dj affect all those different things as well as your production i th- well the first business I ever got involved in was outside of DJing was uh, opening a shoe store eight years ago in Santa Barbara and we opened six years ago in Las Vegas mm-hmm. but that was straight up like that's I feel almost every DJ's passion outside of collecting records is shoes sure and and the first moment I realized that was the Easy E radio 12 inch record it's uh, it's on radio and Easy mm-hmm. does it on the other side and in the back of that he's wearing like Jordan 4's true blue Jordan 4's and I'm like damn those are dope shoes he has like clean jordans on and then even like my adidas i didn't put it together yet it didn't i was too young to really be like i need to look fly yeah and then when easy did it maybe because i'm a west coast kid i was like he had the full jordan jumpsuit but i was like i I love shoes like Mm -hmm. that's that makes your outfit so i was always like buying shoes and kind of whenever i could if i had the money if i wasn't going to use it on records but then um DJ AM was the one who really introduced me how to buy shoes. Yeah. And because that's when eBay collecting started. And I started learning on buying, you know, Dunks and Air Force Ones and Air Maxes. And then I was like, oh, this is like actually a business Mm -hmm. where you can buy them for this and you can resell them. them. You could do this, you could do that. And then I was like, there has to be a way I can get shoes for free. And I was like, open a shoe store. (laughs) So I met people, you know, throughout my journey and, and someone talked about opening a shoe store and this guy said i have a location and we just pieced it together and and made it happen so is there any worry i mean obviously that's going into a business that you're not you don't know other than your passion for the sneakers but you don't know yeah. the retail business none of us had retail experience yeah all all three at the time there's two partners now but all three of us then no one had retail experience and yeah and i think that that was why it took off at the beginning because we no one knew what they were doing so right. you didn't have any rules there was no right or wrong, you know? So is that a good idea? Just like... 
I I believe in that. Like I don't yeah. care. Like I want to make mistakes. Yeah. I want to. I want to. I'm cool with making mistakes. Like, yeah. I, I because I think, I mean, from all those mistakes I've gone through, I've kept growing and learning. Like, all right, never do that one. I'll never do this. Mm-hmm. I'll never do that. Um, why did I invest in that? I lost my ass over there. Okay, <laughs> let me try. I'll never invest in anything I don't believe in or sure. I don't. I don't fully, you know, love the 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 concept, the idea. Um, so yeah, so I still have no clue what I'm doing. I just know that I'm enjoying what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. That's a kind of a good way to look at it. Yeah. Like I, I don't I don't mind messing up on all these things. And I, I want to take the long cut, not the shortcut. So I'm how was the um to to make the move to producing? Obviously you're still DJing yeah. as well, but um how did you think about that? When I was uh on radio and going to all these sessions, cause so after we met Kanye, uh, after we met Kanye, we got invited to go to his sessions, and mm-hmm. I got to see him working on an ASR ten. Mm-hmm. And then we go, then we met Timbaland in the early days, and we got to go to see Timbaland doing sessions and hanging with him till five, six in the morning, and watching him be on an ASR ten. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, then the Alcoholics, who I really liked, their West yeah, Coast yeah. hip hop group, uh, E Swift using an MPC two thousand and an ASR ten MIDI sync together, and I'm like, this is dope. Like, how do you? So I was seeing everyone's sessions and how they were working and and pro tools and everyone had a mac computer so i'm like all right i have to get a mac i have to save up and get a mac first of all then i have to get pro tools and then i have to figure out how to get an npc Mm -hmm. so i did that and then i started like in probably 2001 i got an npc 2000 and i just started so you're still on the air yeah i was still in the air and i was trying to make beats on the side yeah and and sampling and just 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 kind of really raw hip-hop beats I was trying to work on and for years I was doing that and DJing but I, I never really put anything out um, and then I was really into production and in 2004 I got a Vegas gig and it just literally grabbed me and goes through me in Vegas and be sure. like this is where you need to put your energy in because yeah. this is like this is the, the gold rush for it's gonna be the gold rush for DJs mm-hmm. so I saw it early um, so I, I got wet into production I got my fingers wet in production and producing and learning how to just get around and, and seeing studio sessions go down. Mm-hmm. So then Vegas really is what took me away from it for a little bit, yeah, and now yeah. I'm back again. I'm sure. Yeah. Hey, if you're digging this one, I want to stick with the radio theme. I'm going to take you back in the Rebel Radio archives. My man Garth Trinidad, he's a DJ on uh, KCRW here in L.A., as well as a producer, music supervisor, all kind of other good things too. He's got some great stories. If you want to go back and hear that one, of course, after you listen to the rest of DJ Vice. Does the, you know, I've heard DJs say like, you know, learning to read the crowd, kind of then it helps you make music. Right. How, does that work? It does because, um, now more recently than ever that I'm putting out a lot of music and working with the right people, yeah. like great talented producers and songwriters and everything. Uh, I think my my greatest strength now that I'm finally comfortable with is knowing that I have something that they don't have mm-hmm. in a studio session. I have the knowledge of reading crowds mm-hmm. for 20 plus years mm-hmm. and being in clubs for 20 plus years and and I understand that some of these people are in studio ses- studios for 20 plus years and they're not in front of crowds like the way I am. Mm-hmm. So I know that my ear is tuned a different way that their ear is tuned. So I really do feel like when I sit in sessions, the ideas I can bring up or the structure changes 
or, or even just a slight, you know, drum change makes like night and day difference mm -hmm. for what'll work for me and for my sets and for mm -hmm. the audience I play to. And it's dope because I'll have those awe moments with, with some producers like, oh, shit, I didn't think of that. And, I'm, and in my mind, I'm like, dude, this person's beyond good at, at right. producing. Yeah. It's so cool to give them some like little, you know, advice and it works and it goes like the right way, you know? Yeah. And sometimes I tell them something that's like, that doesn't make any sense. I'm like, I don't know. I'm just trying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You don't know. Yeah. So I definitely think it does help. <clears throat> a lot of the greatest were DJs, right? Like Dre was a DJ. Timbaland mm -hmm. was a DJ. Jermaine still DJs. Mm -hmm. Little John DJs. Like mm -hmm. Premier. Like, I mean, everyone has a lot of those, the guys that I looked up to. Yeah. Pete Rock. Yeah, yeah. Like all these guys are like dope DJs as well. So what about like, you know, everyone you just mentioned, I know you grew up in hip hop and, you know, that was your thing. Yeah. Um, but now you're making all types of music. Right. You know? I, I always have loved all types of genres. Yeah. I just feel that my foundation was hip hop. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But it, was it a conscious choice to, I know, you know, I know you got pop records. I know you worked with Linkin Park. Like, yeah. is that a conscious thing to like move across genres or like how does why why is that a good idea it's definitely it was definitely a conscious choice because um when i got into like playing clubs in hollywood like in 2000 probably 2002 2003 um i literally i met dj am in la and i went to some of his clubs in la and got to play with him and i'm like yo you're DJing an open format set that's basically a cooler wedding set. Right. Because I DJed so many weddings and I was playing yeah, you're... 80s and I was sure. playing like funk and soul and then I was playing hip hop and pop and dance and it was all over the place. But you're doing it in such a cooler way, crossing genres mm -hmm. and, and it's like organized chaos, your mixes, like they're going all over the place, but it, it works. Um, so I was always just starting to really love like the fact of being an open format DJ and and I hate that word open format but I, I mean like yeah. I call it genre bending now sure. more than anything like bending all the genres together and I really liked that I was like this is all the shit I love yeah. like so I don't I've never been one to just be like oh, I only listen to hip hop I mm -hmm. only listen to alternative I only listen to this because I grew up in such a mixed household so when I got back into production I'm like I don't want to just be in one lane. And then sometimes people are like, oh, you don't have a sound then. I'm like, I don't care. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter. I, I want to just have music that I enjoy working on and playing out. So is that important? Like, some, you know, I think some people would say, you know, people come to Premiere because they want that Premiere sound, right. right? If you brought them something with big guitars and whatever, like, yeah. I don't, who knows what... Rick Rubin pulls do. it off. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, there's, there's yeah. like guys at Rick Rubin that can work with, like, the Dixie Chicks, right? Yeah. And then he could do, like, Johnny Cash and he could do Beastie Boys... And he can do, and I'm not saying I'm even on that level. I'm just saying yeah. there's people that have figured out how to do it. Yeah. And I'm definitely still so fresh in this game, mm -hmm. even at the age I'm at, that I'm still looking forward to like learning all this shit and figuring out how to make it work. Sure. Yeah. yeah. That's the, I think that's one thing, just to be open to it. Like, however it's going to work out, it'll work out. Yeah. It's interesting. Like, radio seems to be the last. Like, radio is so tied to genres. Yeah. Right. Whereas, like, clubs have changed, streaming, obviously people are streaming whatever yeah. they want. You know, even 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 back in the day, like MTV, except for their, they had their genre shows, and then they had their, right. like, most of the day they were just playing, like, whatever. Um, I don't know. I don't, it, it just, it it's, seems. 
I, I think one thing too though is is I, I spoke about my son earlier because I just think he's such a big influence on me is that I saw him lose like genres like he would listen to like pop music yeah. and then he would like jump into hip hop and then now he'll go to like an EDM festival but he's like I, I love the music but I'm not going to listen to it when I'm in my car mm -hmm. I'll listen to it at the festival yeah. and then it was like all over the place and, and does that make it harder as a DJ? Like, is it, is it harder to program a set that way? I just got to keep current. Yeah. And I got to be able to keep an open mind with music yeah. and understand, like, some of the mumbling MCs. Like, it makes sense. Like, if, if you figure out the, the, the mumbles and understand what the concept is or what the thought process is behind some of these songs, um, then, I'll, then I appreciate it. Because I, I don't want to get lost in the mix and, and never... I want to keep up. I want to keep ahead of the game. I want to I stay current. I... I appreciate how music can change. So yeah. I'm, it, it does get tough on some songs. Like, why is this song big? Right. Sure. <laughs> what is it about this song? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Sure. So it's definitely, uh, but it also keeps me excited to just like really stay up on things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what might motivates you with all that to like to do the, the YouTube show, the podcast, uh, you know, all the, I, all the other stuff. To connect with people however I can, I think. Yeah. I, I do the, um, I started a YouTube show, it's Electric Taco, we're like on 14 episodes in right now, and that was just for like the fun of it. Like mm -hmm. I I got a Tesla and I was like, this is dope to finally have like a, a car I've always wanted. How can I use it to my benefit and how can I have fun with it? Yeah. So I was like, I'll pick up, I, I watched, I watched uh, Seinfeld, Comedians mm -hmm. Getting Coffee. Yeah. And I was like, I, I do, I'm, I mean, I have my coffee right now, but I also love tacos yeah. more than coffee. Yeah. And I'm born and raised in LA and we got them everywhere here. So I was like, I'll pick up one of my homies. We'll throw some GoPros in the car and we'll roll out and get some tacos. And we mm -hmm. tried it out and it worked. Then I was like, I know so many people that come out to clubs that I meet, that I connect with in a club. Like, how can I connect with these people outside of the club world? Yeah. Um, outside of an event that I'm at DJing or something. So I was like, I'll just start hitting people up that I know. Many know me as Vice the DJ, a native Angelino who rocks clubs night after night. What you may not know is that my passion for music is just as big as my passion for food. I decided to share this with the world and bring some friends along for the ride. From the valley to the west side and everywhere in between, join me as I venture out to find some of the best tacos in LA. This is... And then it just spiraled into like Swaggy P to yeah. Rick Fox to Mario Lopez to... You saw Danny Trejo to yeah. P-Rod. Um, I watched the Angela Johnson. Angela Johnson, Jeez, the comedian. That was yeah, so dope. and it's cool because I've all I've known all these people somehow from out and about, and it's cool to hear everybody's story and just on on a positive note. Reggie Bush, uh -huh. like, um, I have George Lopez coming up. Oh, nice. Yeah, I have Joe Coy, Filipino comedian That's I great. love. So like all these diff different random people that are, that it's like spiraling into like reaching out, and now when people find my music. They can find these episodes mm -hmm. and get a little life lesson out of them. Or people find these episodes yeah. and then they, they find my music. Yeah. Roy Choi was a really dope one, like rolling around with him in L.A. from, from K-Town and like hearing nice. his story of how you start a food truck revolution. and like, Amazing. I have, he's been on the show. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. yeah. He's dope. Yeah. I love him. Love Poppy. They call him Poppy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's like, it kind of goes back to what I said earlier about the people I met along the road in life. Uh -huh. And I got all these little bits of information from it's kind of cool to do this again and hopefully someone will watch this and pick up something from Roy Choi or, or Rick yeah. Fox or whoever it may be and be like oh okay yeah and it sparked that little moment in their life that might take them down that path so you seem like you have you had all these like lessons 
that have kind of shaped how you approach yeah. things. Is that, are you, do you have mentors or are you like figuring stuff out? on Now I do. Yeah. Now I do. Yeah. Because my, my wife is a life coach, which is oh, crazy. Really? So like, yeah, when I met her and, and she's, she's like a certified life coach for like the last six years. Dude, I, I, so after, my wife's my first mentor. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. That's and, funny. I, you know, I know we just spent time together in Brazil Yeah. and, uh, I didn't know that, but I could see that now after talking to her. Like, yeah, yeah, she's she's deep as it is. Yeah, that's dope. <laughs> so she's introduced me to a lot of different ways of thinking about things and seeing the world. And like what? Um, what's, what's something that stands out? Just at least like believing in. I mean, I, I kind of mentioned that I, I I believe in what's supposed to come. I, I foresee my future in mm -hmm. a sense. Like I always be like, oh, I I really want to have George. Like when I started that electric taco on episode two, I'm like. I, George Lopez needs to be on this show. Like that, that dude needs to get on. This is, nice. and it's already like now in the works of the day we're gonna film it. So I'm like, yeah. I, I know it'll happen. I don't ever be like, oh, that'll be, in, that'll probably never happen. Can't get that. I always believe, and speak of it as it's happening mm -hmm. already. So, <laughs> I don't say, I don't ever say like, oh, I'll never be able to get, <clears throat> I'll never be able to get Andre 3000 on a track, because that's that is my bucket list MC mm -hmm. to have on a track. I'm always like, right? I know I'm gonna have Andre 3000 one day on a track. So yeah. she has taught me to re always reiterate myself and speak as if you know it will happen, and in, in a in the humble brag way. Yeah, you know that's great. Um, so yeah, that and then and then I have mentors. I have a, a good friend of mine that's a mentor in my in like a family type of way, and I have mm -hmm. another good friend of mine that's a, a mentor in a business type of way. And I learned that from her, but having mentors and having people that you literally ask, yeah. like, will you be my mentor? Where I can call you and ask you questions about life or questions about mm -hmm. business or this and that. Mm -hmm. Or you check on me and yeah. hold me accountable. Yeah. Same way I have a trainer at the gym. I, don't, right. I can't make myself get up and go. Right. <laughs> he texts me like, are you on the way? I'm like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I just, it, it's good to have that, that accountability team around you. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's cool. Um, what, what has been the biggest surprises since you started this? Like, what, what's been the... What did you not expect when you got started? That's that's been, um, that I I, I guess it is still a, a surprising point right now to still be DJing, still be in a sense relevant, still mm -hmm. be fourteen years of. I started my Vegas residency in two thousand four, wow. so like thir over thirteen years, yeah, and to still be playing in Vegas. I remember yeah. the first week we were out there, like a month in, I was playing like a couple nights, and one of my boys was like. Yo, how long do you think this is gonna last in Vegas for? Like, like a month, right. two months? Yeah. And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So it's like now we're all the way down here, and I'm still a resident in Vegas every week. Um, so these are some big awe moments. Like, wow, what's, this is crazy. What's been harder than you expected? Um, I think the hardest point for me would be to to just accept change. At sometimes, like I know, like to 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 realize when I'm in a comfort zone, a comfort space, to be like, don't be comfortable. Mm -hmm. Get out of that comfort zone and change. And is there something you do, do you have, like, to, to get out of that? Just just do it. Fear, yeah. I, I, I learned, it, uh, and it's an acronym for fear, is uh -huh. false expectations uh, appearing, appearing real. Yeah. And, and I remember when I learned, I was like, Yo, that's exactly what fear is. Like, you don't know whether this move that you're going to jump and do is right or wrong or, or just to just do it, like just yeah. try it and, and trust the process and accept it. Like, so that, and then, um, I think, I think another hard part is just the balance of everything is the juggling of like, so I have an 18 year old kid mm -hmm. and I have an 18 month daughter 
Um, so it's it's the like I was like yeah. a reset button on me, yeah, like start yeah. over again. Yeah. And, and to be married and to, to travel, to have late nights, early nights. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't trade it for anything. So, I, I mean, I, I love it. I love the fact that I'm still around music because at the end of the day, that's that's what got me here. And I, I mm -hmm. love it. Mm -hmm. I have to what's what's the hardest thing I have to stay and listen to music all the time like I'll keep up on everything <laughs> like that's what I love doing right. as a kid so I'm still good sure. doing that now yeah that's great nice let me see um, I have like a speed round that I like to end off with good I, I drink coffee I can go fast it's nice cool. okay. <laughs> um, well before we get to that you mentioned the bucket list so what else what what's so Andre 3000 has yeah. been my bucket list MC and I just met him for the first time nice it's crazy. I was at I was at the Magic Convention in Vegas, uh -huh. uh, the clothing convention out there, and I was walking through, uh, looking at some brands for our store and everything, just looking, and I hear the voice behind me, and I'm like, "Oh, sh that's Andre!" I knew it right. I turn around, and Andre 3000 is right there, and he's with um, my boy Jeff Staple, yeah. who has a brand, uh, st uh, Staple yeah. and Pigeon Dunks and all that good stuff. But I look, and I'm like, Jeff Staple's with Andre 3000. I get to meet this dude <laughs> finally. Like I think I met him way back in the radio days, like once. Sure. But um, but I met him and I got to sh shake his hand. So I was like, "Yo!" Like, and I gave him the humble brag. I was like, "Yo, it's good to finally meet you." And I, I look forward to the day that we work together on a track because I know it'll happen one day. Maybe not now, but it will happen. Nice. And he's like, "Yo, okay, cool. That's what's up." Like, yeah. da -da. and I was like, "Yeah." And yeah. I left it at that. It yeah. wasn't like, "Yo, we got to connect. Give me your numbers." Da -da -da -da. Like, right. It was just the, the little slide in humble brand. That's the piece I think like people don't get, you know, is like finding a balance, knowing yeah. when to back off, when to come on. Yeah. When you know what I mean? And yeah, I, I, exactly. I see it. I know you know, see it all the time. Somebody's, you know, they got in back in the day they used to have their demo tape and it's like you'd see the one guy that's like standing in the corner afraid to give it to anybody. Right. And the other guy that's like shoving it down your throat. Right. It's like finding that right balance. Yep. And there, there's a way to do it. There's a way to do yeah. it. I don't know how you teach it, but there's a way to do it. Yeah. 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 So he's bucket list MC. Yeah. Um, and I'll just leave it at, at him okay. because I, when I knock that out, yeah, then I'll put someone else on the bucket good. list. Okay. No option B or C. No, I love or it. Or D. Just yeah. A. Option A. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right. So if you can go back and give yourself, let's say, the 18-year-old advice, yeah. one, one piece of advice. What would it be? The eighteen-year-old advice, and I asked everyone this question on Electric Taco, and now <laughs> right? someone asked me. Oh, it's <laughs> the worst. <laughs> now, mine, mine would be honestly, because at the point where I'm at right now, I just um, really wished I wouldn't have stepped away from production as heavy as I did for that that gap of those years, yeah. because I had to play so much catch up. Yeah. Um, I, I really wish I would have embraced <clears throat> staying in the studio a little bit more, and I also wish I would have joined band in high school. Oh, really? I wish, yeah. Yeah. I wish someone would have said, I, I wish one of my counselors in high school said, I, I see how much you love music. You're a DJ. Like, why don't you try the band out? Why don't you learn what music the structure is mm -hmm. about, you know, chord theory or this and that at a young age and not looked at like the band like, oh, those are the dudes on the marching field before the football game. No, nah, yeah. I'm cool. Like, so I DJed a lot during high school. I played like in the quad. I played at basketball games mm -hmm. and football games, but I wish I would have also been in the band with everybody. I think Pharrell was in the band and stuff like that. I'm, right, I'm down right, right. And, yeah, I wish I would have gotten the band. So uh, maybe this leads into that, but but what talent have you always wished you had more of? The talent I wish I had more of? Um, 
it's the only athletic talent I had at a younger age. I used to play ice hockey. Oh wow! From like the, right like that that nine year old gap I was telling you about nine to 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 twelve right before I got That's in the DJ in LA. So crazy and being in LA, then what do you do? Yeah. A Mexican playing hockey? That makes no sense. Yeah, um, but a, a neighbor of mine who was the manager at the Pasadena Ice Skating Rink, and I got right to go on. there. So nice. I I wish that I had. I wish I could still like tear it up in an ice hockey game. You said you played tennis this morning. Yeah. Imagine if I was like, yo, I just came from an ice hockey game. Oh, You'd be yeah, like, this no, dude's that's tough. Crazy. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> a tooth missing and everything. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, tennis, I'm just going to twist the ankle. <laughs> um, so, what other career outside of music would you have if, if you knew? This is a Tony Robbins question. Yeah. What, what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? Another career, I, and it's, I don't know why it's been coming up more, but I want my cheers which is AKA like a little bar restaurant. Uh, like I want to be able to have my little spot where I'm okay. like, oh yeah, that's my cheers. Yeah. And, and, and oh, I'm, man, I can see that happening. Luckily, one of my mentors is heavy in the restaurant game and I have a lot of different people I know that have run restaurants. I don't ever want to, I don't want, I don't say never, but at the moment, I don't want a nightclub. Uh-huh. That's just, I would rather be like, yo, let's go have a drink or let's grab right. a little bite at my spot right here and hang. I think we're at that age like where it's like all about like yeah, for sure. taking it down a notch. I love that. <laughs> yeah, that's a great one. Okay, so if I worked for you, if I was on your team, um, what would I hear you say over and over? It's my mine is just honestly like, and I, and I have a sister who I talk to all the time and everything. It's just be here because you want to be here, mm. and do it because you love it. Like, don't don't do anything for a check because I, I truly feel the reason I'm doing what I'm doing and where I got in my life is I never did it for a check. I never. Mm cared about like how much you think how much you gonna make for that gig nah let's get a little bit more mm-hmm. like i just didn't and and this is probably the worst business advice but money was never like my goal like i didn't care i my goal was happiness mm-hmm. my goal was like and, and it stems back to that moment of seeing the dj play for a crowd of not being like how much did he make up there and right. these people are doing that like it was just like i it's it's chase that happiness not not that check yeah yeah i don't know man it's it's that's a hard one like you say it's not good business advice but but i think making art for money yeah is is a tough business to be in like like when that's your goal right right right? when that's your goal yeah Uh, you know you can see you can feel that you can read it yeah when people even i see it when i'm if i go see if i watch a dj set or like this dude is not doing it because he loves it or sometimes a lot of times producers get stuck DJing now because mm-hmm. they have to mm-hmm. because they produce such a big record and you have to go out and DJ yeah. but your foundation was never a DJ and you're like I don't want to be in front of a crowd right. and I get that you want to be in a studio like we're in a beautiful studio room right now like yeah. I understand that if this is your world you want to live in here yeah. you don't want to be fighting through a crowd or a festival to get up on stage to to have 18 year olds jumping up and down and going you're like I don't I don't want that I want to be in front of my screen and make music yeah so yeah so that would be a hard one too yeah, I'm sure. Um, so who, uh, uh, okay, other than Andre 3000, who would you be most excited to learn was a fan of yours? Um, I, I think, I've, I've, honestly, it's crazy, but I've already got it. Like yeah. when, when Timbaland became a fan of me and like when me and him be- got, became like friends and I got to be around him and invited to studios and still to this day where he's like, I made an 80s mix called Breakfast Clubbing.
and he was always like, "That's my favorite mix ever." Like, da da da. Like, and he's and ever since then, when I made it way back, he's always been like the homie and let me roll through. And I, when I was getting back into production years back again, he was like, "Yo, let, let's sit down. Let me." And he gave me an hour of his time, and I got to play him beats and give me feedback. And yeah. I'm like, I walked away like on a high. Like, and it, we were at the the Hit Factory in Miami. And I'm like, this this is insane. Like, this is crazy to be able to go back to him and still play That's him so stuff. Cool. Yeah. So it's dope. Him and then um, maybe Tony Robbins. <laughs> yeah. Bring him back. Yeah. He was like, yeah. what? We want Vice as a, a guest. Do you, um, so what, uh, I don't know if it's Tony Robbins or not, but, but what book can you think of that's changed your life? So I'm not a big per- book person. My wife is, and there's okay. books all over our house. Yeah. Um, but the book that I am reading right now that I'll say is, uh, Strong father, strong daughter. Oh, cool. And I was passed that by a friend in the gym. And he was yeah. like, you had a daughter? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, you have a daughter? And I'm like, no. And he's like, this is your first? And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, read this. And I'm like, oh, man. So I'm almost done with it. I'm like, okay, this is uh, that book happened for the right reason nice. for a moment. And it's um, changing my life. Because I've raised a son. Now, daughter's a whole different game. I'm just. Oh, so, yeah. Cool. So, so I think it's, it's happening right now as I'm reading this book. Yeah. That's <laughs> it's awesome. changing my perspective. Nice. Um, Okay. Do you collect anything other than well, I know sneakers and records. Is yeah. That, sneakers and records and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and I and it's it's sad to say a lot. But I stopped collecting vinyl because I have so much of it, but I never got rid of my vinyl. So I still have all my vinyl. I got rid of all the crap, mm-hmm. like the junk ones. Mm-hmm. Jaw rules and like no offense, but I'm mean saying I don't need a jaw rule record. Stuff you're my, never gonna play. Yeah. yeah, I have it on my MP three. I'm good at that. But all my classics and my soul, my funk and yeah. I have all that. Um, but record uh, shoes, I still, I still buy. Even though I have a, a store and all that, like I still right. go and buy. If I'm out on the road, I'm like, oh, they have me. I'll just grab them. Yeah. So that's like a bad thing. Yeah. They're everywhere. They're all over my house. That's all right. <laughs> you know, you gotta have something. Yeah. That yeah. and hats. I guess I buy hats all the time. Right. What? Uh, I think we actually talked about this in Brazil. But what, what movie do you think you've seen the most? The movie I've seen the most. Oh, the movie I've seen the most for for me is is Goonies. Uh huh. Yeah, I've seen Goonies the most. That's and then a great one. A strong second is Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Oh no way. Yeah, and then and then the uh, Johnny Depp or the or the no the OG uh, the Gene OG Wilder. Gene Wilder. Yeah. Yeah, that's the shit. Yeah, those are probably the the, the two strong ones for me. Right, I don't know ones. why, but they're just my childhood. No, joints. those are good ones. Yeah. Yeah. Who's your favorite DJ? Favorite DJ of all time it has to be Jazzy Jeff. Yeah. I think that was like the first DJ I really saw like do everything so smooth. Yeah. For me, like me, me too. And still to this day, I'm like, I just watched his his Boiler Room episode. Mm-hmm. I'm like, damn, bro, you like you don't lose it at yeah. all. Everything's so good, so yeah. jazzy, yeah. Yeah. And he did a remix to my one of my first singles I put out. Um, oh really? I put out a song on my own little label called Flight Club. Uh, it was called World Is Our Playground. Feeling the time change like waves of sound But new days already here It comes into the light from underground I wanna be where you are I'll take you everywhere I go And the hook talks about Philadelphia mm-hmm. So and I, ha- I don't really know Jazzy. Yeah. And now I do, but I didn't really know him. Yeah. But I was like, when we worked on the record, I'm like, while we were working on the record, I'm like, Jazzy Jeff has to do a remix of this. I have no budget, really. I mean, I'll pay out my, whatever I got to do. Yeah. And then I connected with Jazzy Jeff, and he's like, yo, like, 
he's a he was a fan of my DJ bag I made, mm -hmm. so I had made a DJ bag with Toomey. Oh really? Yeah. Oh cool. I made my own DJ bag with him, and he nice. and he had one, and he's like, "Yo, I got you," and he did the remix on the strength. Yeah. Like, no, I'm down. I like the record. Let's do it. Yeah. And I was like, "What? How? It happened? Yeah." So that's dope. Yeah, it was. It's a dope moment. That's that's incredible. Yeah, Definitely. I love Jeff. Um, I didn't even know about the the Toomey stuff. So is that like, <laughs> do you like? That kind of like brand collaboration yeah. stuff. Yeah. Hell yeah. I'm a big fan of Toomey. Yeah. I'm a, a fan of certain brands. And then when I'm a fan of them, like same thing about like I was a fan of Nike and I wanted mm -hmm. an open shoe store. And I was a fan of Toomey and I was like, someone has to know someone at Toomey. And one of my friends did like put me in the mix, introduced me and they talked to me. And I'm like, can I can I sit with you guys? I just need to explain something about your bags and your DJ stuff. And, the, and they let me come up. And I explained to the head um, design director of Toomey mm -hmm. how I use his bag as a DJ bag. And he's like, what do you, this is like a business traveler's bag. Right. Why are you using it as a DJ bag? I'm like, you got this compartment, you got this, you got this. But if we do this and you move this, 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 it'll be the best DJ bag ever. And he's, and he's like, all right. And then probably a year and a half in the process, then we worked on designing a bag and wow. I, I released it with Toomey. Oh, so so we cool. released... Uh, 380 bags based on the Airbus A380, mm -hmm. like everything around travel, and they sold for 4.95 each, and it sold out in four and a half hours. Damn. So it was a dope bag, and they and we did them, and then they were like, "Let's remake them," and I yeah. was like, "Don't remake it. Yeah. Leave it as like the most limited edition bag, yeah. and then we'll come back again sooner or later and do another bag." Ah, that's cool. So yeah, so I wasn't chasing the the money on right. it. Yeah. I was just chasing like the let's make the best DJ bag ever. Mm -hmm. And everyone rocked it, like from Diplo to Calvin to Jazzy Jeff to, like there was tons of DJs that had it. That's so. Yeah, I just, rest in peace, I just put mine to rest. It was so beat. Oh yeah. And everyone's like, don't you have another? I'm like, yeah, I have one brand new one in a box. <laughs> right, like I'm right, not, not gonna, gonna open it. That, that one's yeah. on ice. Like you have sure. two pairs of shoes, one's on ice. <clears throat> for sure. So yeah, that sure. was a big collaboration for me. So bucket list collab is Nike. Nice. Yeah. What, 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 what do you Sorry to my Adidas people. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want to make? Um, damn, I'm not even picky. No. I, I, I mean, if it was, if, if I could, I think I would, I would go for honestly an Air Max. Okay. Like a ninety set, like an Air Max ninety, probably. Yeah. Uh -huh. I don't know. I switch up my shoes all the time, so it's, it's hard to really say. Like, yeah, Jordans. I, I mean, I, I always loved Jordans, but I think yeah. I would go for an Air Max. Nice. Yeah, it's an all all purpose shoe. I'm, I'm, a, I'm an Air Max fan. Yeah, and you got your Jays on today oh, though, right? Yeah. Twos. Yeah. Yeah. They're the they're the most comfortable ones. Yeah. Yeah. I've never been a fan of twos. I just couldn't. They didn't work it's for me. It's a different thing. They're like they're like some Italian design. Yeah. It's like a whole different thing, but they're so comfortable. Came with it. It's crazy. What's? Let me ask you a question. What's your favorite shoe? Um, I mean, probably Air Max. Yeah. Yeah. Ninety or Air Max One even. Air Max Ones are good too. I, yeah. I like them. I got uh. Like the the uh, I got a pair of Air Max One sneaker boots, and they're and a, they're like a mid all days, right? You were so there. good, so comfortable. Do you have a big collection as well? No, I mean I wear everything. Okay, yeah. I don't I don't ice any of them. Yeah. Um, nah, but you know, like I I do the best I can. The one my one shoe that's on display at my store in Vegas, if you ever go by, is a. Uh, I have the Air Mag from um, Back to the Future. Yeah. Because they, they did a release of those yeah, yeah, yeah. a while back. Actually, they re-released them, but I did it a right. while back, and I scored them on eBay for like 3800 and now they're at like 10K. They're crazy, yeah. Yeah. Those ones I won't wear. <laughs> those, those stay in the box. Yeah, yeah, no, They stay in a cube, like uh, showing, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So yeah, the shoes are like it's like it's like gold. The stock goes up on them for as sure. long as you buy right. Yeah, yeah. yeah we had uh, Josh from StockX. Oh yeah. We had him on the show right when he was launching. Oh, that's dope. And okay. I know their shit is like, it's crazy. Shoes, man. It's a whole crazy business. Yeah, but I didn't I didn't get to buy a lot of shoes growing up as much no. as I really wanted to because. Also, in the early days, I heard you talking about this with, I think it was Chalk or whatever, I think it was on one of his episodes, was you had to really chase vinyl and whether yeah. you were, if you didn't have the hookup, you had to buy it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So you're buying doubles and they were four ninety nine each or five right. ninety nine each and you're yep. spending 12, 15 bucks and you're like, that's for but just you had to, But you had to chase shoes too. Like, I mean, now you do online, whatever, yeah. but back then I remember, you know, you'd go to Sporty LA right, and you'd kind of get lucky is that your so, spot when you're? Well, you moved uh, back then. Back then, yes. Yeah, yeah I mean, Melrose. in San Francisco, there was a couple spots, but in San Francisco, it was like, I mean, in the '80s, it was like Shelto's, uh, Clyde's, yeah, Chucks, and then you know Jordan a little bit, Legends. I was big into Legends. Legends. Wow. Um, I think my my. But, but there was only like a couple spots that you could go there. It was like the surplus stores, right? And they would have a couple things. My first, you spoke about tennis. Get this, this is my first. It's still my all-time yeah. favorite shoe. I wouldn't do it as a Nike co as a collab, but it's my all-time favorite shoe. Is the the Agassi? I got them in the trunk. That's do you? I play. That's why I play it. Those, those are fire. I play in Agassi's. I was playing in Federer's, and I like them. Oh wow! Like, I know the technology yeah. or whatever, but I didn't like the feel. The, the ones and I rock with the Adam, Aquas. The Adam Aqua. uh, from Stussy. Yeah. Uh, Adam Weissman. Yeah. He plays in Agassi's. We play together. Wow! And you put me up on those. Those are those are still the hottest shoes ever. Yeah, those are so fire. No, no, I love them because you can wear them. You Dude, can wear them off so the car. Fire. I have yeah, I have a brand new pair on ice. I have the ones I wear, and then the other yeah. one. Yeah, they're comfortable to play. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh wow, the OG ones. Like yeah. The... Except they're hot because they're yeah. leather. Yeah, yeah. But exactly. otherwise, no, they're they. You know, they. Damn. I don't know. So if I ever go to play tennis with you, I'm gonna bring those out. Come on out. <laughs> we'll get Adam and Mike. We'll do a doubles. <laughs> no skills. I took like one one. Little class in high school, and I was like, "This is not for me, at all." We're not good. <laughs> Mike's okay. I'm not. No, I'll I'll be on the sideline. I'll DJ for you guys while you're playing. There you go. That's fresh. <laughs> That's fresh, dude. Thanks for doing yes, this, man. Yes, sir. This is so much fun. I appreciate Rebel it. Radio. I finally got down. Oh yeah. How's how's everybody find you online? Oh yeah. So it's easy to find me online. It's just at DJ Vice, DJ V I C E. It's my Twitter. It's my Instagram. It's my YouTube. It's my Facebook. It's everything. I I nailed all the names down. Do you have a favorite? Is there one channel that you're more... My Insta story, uh, my Instagram story is probably the most active that I'm always on, but I mean, I'm heavy on all my socials. Yeah. Snapchat, yeah, everywhere. Gotta Just be. hit me, I hit, I hit everybody back. Nice. Twitter, Love it. whatever. Social okay. security number is... <laughs> Yo, that's a wrap. That was my man, DJ Vice. Some great stuff from him. Shout out to Vice for coming through. Make sure you leave us uh, a nice review on iTunes, five stars, of course. Hit us on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. That's Rebel Radio Net. And most importantly, come back next week for more Rebel Radio.